Okay, we spoke last time about the order of eating matzah and before the meal, after the meal, when it's coming for the uh, uh, first achilah, when it's coming for the afikoyman. There's uh, one more element to start the and then we'll talk about the, the, the Indian of what we're trying to do. And it's good that it's brought down already in the post game to have three matzahs for the Seder. Not just because of all the different Pirushim in it, but there's a halachic reason for that. And that is that we want to have a broken matzah, also similar of Lechon Oini. And besides the broken matzah, which is similar to Lechon Oini, we need to not talk about it, so we need Lechon Mishnah, like every Siddur Shabbos Yamsif. So we have two complete matzahs uh, for the Lechon Mishnah, and we have the broken matzah for the Lechon Oini. And therefore, what's brought down in the is that when a person makes uh, the bracha of Hamaiti and then I say that you should be holding all three matzahs. Now there's the top one and the bottom which are complete and the middle which is broken. And the be'ika because that's why I'm making Hamaiti on the top and the bottom one which are the two full matzahs. Then he comes to the second bracha which is Maiti matzah. And for that he only needs the middle matzah ready because that's the one he's making the bracha of Achilles matzah on. But he also wants to eat from the bracha that he, the mati made on Moitian, and therefore the minutes brought in Arachah that a person should only hold the top two matzahs. As put down the bottom matzah, hold the top two matzahs, and make the bracha of Achilles matzah. And then the Lechachila option is to eat a Kazayis from the top matzah for the Moitian, a Kazayis from the middle matzah for the, for the, because that has the din of the matzah, which is a broken Lechach. Like we said, anyway, if a person can, they should eat two, two Kazayisim, and therefore the best way to do it is to eat a Kazayis from each matzah. And what do you do with the bottom matzahs? That's what the matzah they use for the kairach. If a person only, if they're going to just only have two matzahs, why would they need to have the top matzah for their second broken matzah? Yeah, if a person... Only has two matzahs, because if they're going to draw or whatever it is, then you have two matzahs. Without a broken matzah. So the reason to have an extra one is you have the If you don't want to work on that, then okay, so then you're making a bracha just on the middle matzah. You still need two. You just say that for the other side, then it half and works. When you say to the kezais, which one is the small shield kezais? Do it have to be kezais? We said last time. You don't need two big kezais. So the small of the big one is the top one is the small one. Okay, so that's the. And then, like I said, the last one is used for kerech, and then nafikomen is the other half of the one which broke, which was put away. Now, of course, if there's only one or two people by the Seder, so then you have enough in the matzah, in the half a matzah for each of the Avakazais. If you have a lot of people at the Seder, so there are people who know that every man has his own three matzahs, and therefore for everyone will eat a Kazais from the top matzah, the middle matzah, whatever it is. Uh, if you don't do it like that, then like we said before, that's any, a person can be out on any matzah. It doesn't have to be that the one which was on the Seder plate. But it is Kazais that they get a bit of the top matzah, like every time the person somewhere and if besides for the, the sheer of matzah they're eating on their own, they should also take a piece of the top matzah, which the moitzi is made on, that they have a part of the, the process of moitzi, just like on every Shabbos. Okay, that's, that's what's going to get the Now let's talk about the union of what we're trying to do with all the times we eat. Why? Because if you look at the said so this is quoted by many, many Mephoshim, and it's like something everybody who reads Zagada comes to this point as well. And that is that if you look at the matzah, there's really a dual significance to the matzah. We start off by saying, This is the bread of poverty. 
It's an example of what people who are poor and couldn't afford either the firewood to let things cook properly or they're too hungry to wait for the bread to rise and they just like bake the dough because they just needed something to eat. And therefore, matzah would be the symbol of poverty. It would be the symbol of people who can't afford uh, either to cook things which would bake longer or couldn't afford to wait. And so that's why we're eating matzah, so, so to speak, to, to feel the affliction. On the other hand, we say about the matzah that it's a symbol to how quickly we came out of Mitzrayim because we couldn't wait for the dough to rise. That's how quickly Hashem took us out. And if that's the case, the question is obviously, what's matzah meant to be the symbol of? Is matzah meant to be the symbol of poverty and slavery, or is the matzah meant to be the symbol of the tremendous nature of the redemption? Um, Agav, if you think about it, when Kaisal ate matzah on that first Pesach, when Hashem told him to eat matzah, what were they thinking then? This was before they came out of Mitzrayim. So the significance we said that they got into him so fast they couldn't bake the dough into matzah it didn't apply then it hadn't happened yet. So what did they think then when they ate the matzah? It seems like Kenny read that they understood matzah the first way. It, uh, just like the morrow is a symbol of of the slavery, the matzah was also. Right, it says by lights. Uh, you would be matzah, right. The question is, what, what is it meant to signify? What, what is it meant to symbolize? Right. What is it meant to symbolize? Right. Now, so that, it, it, it's, like I said, it's not a new point that's been brought up. It's brought up, and not even the asked the question. And the answer is both. Both. There, there's a dual symbolism in the matzah. On the one hand, it shows us slavery, and on the other hand, it shows us redemption. And that's why. We begin the Seder talking about the matzah as a sign of affliction. And when we end the Seder, matzah zush on the al-shumma, when we go back to the end and say, so why are we eating the matzah? So now we bring the second aspect of the matzah, and that is that lahisbuk would say, it did never a chance to rise until they were already freed from Egypt, and therefore we see it as a sign of redemption. Okay? That's, so there we see there's two different understandings or thoughts a person should have when looking at the matzah. Obviously, the Kovan Pesach was clearly, uh, it wasn't a sign of redemption, but it was more what Klai Yisrael needed to do to be redeemed. What Klai Yisrael needed to do to be redeemed, and as Hashem told us, that if you bring the Kovan Pesach, then you'll be redeemed. And that's the Pesach you bring. That you, why we eat the Pesach? Because Hashem said that if you bring the Kovan Pesach and you put the blood on your doorposts, then Hashem will be Pesach of B'Tayb Nei Yisrael in time. And it obviously means not that Hashem needed the sign of the Shekhan's people's doors, like who has, ah, oh, this is a Jewish house that has a Kovan Pesach on the door. And let's jump to this one. Hashem knew where the Klai Yisrael were anyway. But what was more was the Shekhan's. And that is, if you need a merit to come out of Mitzrayim, so that's what Hashem is going to look at. Did you put the blood of the Kofesach on the door? And there's something to understand over here. Because, as we know, the sheep that they used, the, the lamb that they used, was a, something which the Egyptians considered sacred. as part of their religion. And therefore, to, it was a certain bravery, a certain courage, so to speak, to slaughter a sheep in Egypt, and uh, especially if you're a slave, and not fear that the, the retribution that you know, you, you're defining or defacing something which they considered holy. And uh, it's brought down even in the Rishonim already, that that's why all the dinim, which are of Meyuchah to the Korban Pesach, we learn from other Korbanas, revolve around this point. For example, the four dinim, which are unique to the Korban Pesach, we don't find other Korbanas. Most Korbanas, Tarach is, you can cut it into pieces if you want. If I wanted to eat the, the carbon matter, make meatballs out of it and eat it like that, I could. But it's not to go with the carbon Pesach, the din, you can't cut it, you can't break the bones, you have to eat it as one whole thing. 
Rice grow bananas. I can cook it however I like. I can cook it however I like. I can mix it with anything I want. It's uh, even learned from the Gemara that if I want to mix it with spices or with vegetables or anything else, it's yours to eat, eat it however you like. When it comes to Kavan Pesach, I have to roast it in the fire and I can't mix it with anything else. Uh, most Kavanas, well, they don't have any other carbon ever. There was an Indian of, of you know, putting the blood in the doorway. And Dafka here by the Kavan Pesach there was. And the underlying theme of all these points is that, uh, that, any, that obviously we understand that bring the carbon Pesach was something which was very difficult for the Jewish people. It meant, so to speak, uh, showing that I'm not, I'm not scared at all of the repercussions of taking the Egypt, Egyptian deity and slaughtering it and eating it. And if that's the case, a Jew would be tempted to, well, okay, so you know what, uh, if we have, we'll do it in a way where no one's going to notice. You know what I mean? We'll shecht it quietly. We'll cook it or eat it raw so no one's going to know that you're cooking it or we'll do it to it or we'll disguise it in a way no one will recognize what it is. And then it uh, won't be so bad. No one's going to accuse us. And Zara says, no, you're going to roast it and everyone's going to smell it. And you're going to do it as a whole lamb together. No one has any doubts what this is. You can't break the bones. You can't take it to pieces. You can't do anything else with it. You're going to do it with maximum, so to speak, publicity. And think about it. Most times, you don't know what your neighbor's cooking unless they're doing a barbecue. The smell of roasted meat carries much more than anything else. And therefore, if you're going to roast a Kohen Pesach, the whole Mitzrayim would know that. It wasn't any way you could hide what you're doing. And that's what the Torah wanted. The Torah wanted, we don't do either of you. You're not going to hide it. You're going to be strong and you're going to show that you're not scared to sacrifice the deity of Egypt because that really breaks the shackles of Egypt from you. Hashem will take you out, but if you still feel holding to Egypt, you still feel that uh, you're scared of, of offending the Egyptian sensibilities or you're scared of the, what the Egyptians might do to you, you're still a slave. And then with the coming of Mitzrayim, you've got to break the mentality of slavery. And you're going to take the God of Egypt, you're going to define the Egyptians, and you're going to publicly shecht it and show I'm not afraid of what you can do to me. I'm no longer under your, so to speak, domination. Okay. So then I elaborated a little bit on the idea, we could talk much more. But the idea of the Korban Pesach wasn't what the Gola. The idea of the Korban Pesach was what the Jews needed in order to deserve to be redeemed. And uh, we made it, that's what it says, that, that we bring the Pesach, with, because when Hashem sees we've done that, then we deserve to be redeemed. When he, says we, when he saw the dam and the Pesach, that was a sign we, we did what we were meant to do. And therefore we deserved that we, that we, wouldn't, we, would, we would be free from Egypt. We, so to speak, we had already, in a way, we could say, freed ourselves, freed ourselves from the domination of Egypt. Okay, that's the one. So that's the Pesach. Matzah, we already said before, has both, inter- both, both sides to it. And Mara is clearly about the, 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 the like it says in the, in the passage, the Mara is Hashem, the Mara, how better the Egyptian godless was. Now, the, those are points which are true, but the mitzvah, like we said, uh, when Gamriel says, whoever doesn't talk about these three things in Pesach, we saw that it could be he's not yet to the chayvah of the Pesach Matzah which means the Mitzvah Torah gave us to eat on Pesach the, the, these three things, the Korban Pesach, the Matzah Nemara, revolve around the, 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 the central points of what we're celebrating in the Nasehdah. So the Pesach we understand, the Matzah, well, we understand as well in the context of the fact that, like the Gemara says, that celebrating the Nasehdah isn't just talking, meant to celebrate the redemption from Golis, from exile, but uh, that we're only able to celebrate the redemption if we first uh, 
tasted in some way connected to how, how bad the, the goddess was. And therefore, the more we can uh, come to terms with or maybe, maybe rationalize in some way what is meant to be in goddess, so then we can appreciate being redeemed from that. And therefore, eating the morrow, which means understanding somewhat the, 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 the bitterness of Mitzrayim, is a necessary stage in Bimakitova as well. It's a necessary stage in appreciating the redemption. We don't know what it was like. If we knew how bad it was, then we'd appreciate much more that we were, we were safe from that. And therefore, eating the morrow is meant to remind us of how, how it says, Hashem Shur, it says, that they made our lives better. It wasn't easy to be in Egypt. It was a uh, very, very you know, suffering, persecution and torture and whatever else the Jews suffered. Now we can read about it. So that we have to feel how the, that, that element of the mar of Mitzrayim, the bitterness of Mitzrayim, and from that we can come to appreciate the Torah. Understand what you know the, what it was like to be machine right? So we're gonna have like a, a food that tastes a little sour. Like, what's the connection? The yeah, it's a good question. So we have still we still are gonna talk about the market Hashem. The point is like this: we 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 don't have a way if we're not experiencing Mitzrayim to really connect to the suffering of Mitzrayim. The 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 point of Eating something which is which is better also, it doesn't it's not, doesn't compare. It's like if we want to re- 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 remember the Holocaust today, so say okay, so yeah, yeah, let's eat something better. Remind us, it's it's completely out of proportion to what what, what happened. But what one thing we do want is we want to be able to feel that there's a certain element where we're not just enjoying, so to speak. It's, it's all enjoyable. It's all it's all uh, simple. It's all. Uh, appreciation, like in, uh, just focusing on on the side of what's good and what's enjoyable. The the fact that we able we, we want to focus on having an experience of something which is better is a starting point. And that's what I said before. That it's it's not just to eat the mara, It's called It's meant to remind us of something, and therefore it's a tangible reminder of what we meant to be thinking about, which is what we, what it was like to be in Goddess in Mitzrayim. Are we saying this is anything similar? No, of course not. It's much, much less. But it's a, it's a reminder of what we're meant to be doing in Pesach. And therefore we're meant to be incorporating the experience or the, the focus on the, the, what was better about being in Mitzrayim. Experience. Okay, you're asking good. I want to get to the end of the series, but as Hashem, I'll just say right now. The answer is because it's not enough to remain, count the story. The midst of Pesach is Lyris is Atzmai. Chayavan Lyris is Atzmai. A person has seen himself being there. And for that, a person has to transform it from just recounting a story into an experience. But we're still going to get there. We're still going to talk about how to do that. Um, this idea of feeling the suffering, we very briefly just went over the idea of the matzahs having that being Lachamoni and I'm coming back to that. That's what I want to get back to. Oh, okay. So now we have the matter as a symbol of suffering. And the question could be asked, well, we just had the matzah. We just said matzah is the bread of affliction. Right? That was also what people used to eat. So you see in the matzah, it's uh, a sign of how people would, would, would eat without 
like we said, either the luxury of the time to wait or the, the ingredients to make something more than just the very bare flour and water. So how can that be used if, uh, as a sign of affliction? Why do we need the mara? And this brings us to one of the biggest letters of Pesach. And the answer is, there's two different parts to the goddess. There's two different parts to the goddess. There's one part of the goddess of that we were slaves. And there's a different part of the goddess that we were persecuted. There's two different things. And the Pesach, when the Pesach talks about originally, when HaKadosh Baruch told Avraham Avinu that you, your children, what's going to happen to them, and the Brisbane of Saram, he says both. Vavodum ve'inu oisam. They're going to enslave them and they're going to oppress them. There's two separate parts to Mitzrayim. There's one part of Mitzrayim that we were enslaved in Mitzrayim, and the other part that we were tortured, we were persecuted by Mitzrayim. And the mats is a symbol of slavery. A slave, like we said, doesn't have the luxury of fancy ingredients. He may, maybe doesn't have the time to wait to cook his food. So mats is a symbol of slavery. Mora is a symbol of persecution. They're two separate symbols. Slavery doesn't have to be persecution. And the proof of that the Jewish people are allowed to own slaves as well. The den of an Evakanani, and the Jews are allowed to own a slave. So he's a slave for all legal purposes. But we aren't allowed to torture him. You aren't allowed to persecute him. You're allowed to make him work. You're allowed to treat him like a slave. But that doesn't mean you're allowed to be You're not allowed to go to the next level of, of causing him pain. Uh, by Mitzrayim, there was two different things. There was the avoid of Mitzrayim, and there was the inni of Mitzrayim. There was a, the Mitzrayim made us work, and what the Mitzrayim literally afflicted us. They persecuted us. And we want to remember both of those. And that's why we have one symbolism in the matzah, which is a symbol of slavery, and the other one is a symbol of the mara. So why isn't it lechem agdus? Why isn't lechem inu? It's not inu. Oini is poverty. A slave is poor. Different. It's not inu. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not a lesson of bread of, of, of suffering. It's the bread of being poor. Okay. So that's the... That, now, but why is it important? Because there's another point here also, and we don't have time to elaborate in too much detail. It's one of the also, the one one of the big underlying themes, which if you're going to have a chance to go through Magid, I can show it to you in many different places. And that is that the, in some way, the fact that they, they, they affected the Jewish people too, in a way, changed things. Because, as we know, the Gzaira of the goddess was 400 years. And we know Klai Shoh only means trying for 210. For 210. And already the Chazal asked the question, that how does that line up with HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plan for them to be gone for 400 years? And they weren't there for that long. They were there for barely half the time. 210 years. And the number of answers given in the Paiskim, in the, in the Foshim and the Chazal, one of the answers is because that we suffer doubly. We suffer doubly. So instead of having to work for 400 years, the extra, uh, the Inui which we had, means that in a shorter amount of time, we suffer twice. And therefore, the, the amount of, so to speak, suffering that the Jewish people had to go through was condensed into less time because it was more intense. Okay, this is one of a number of Mahalchi, but the point is that we, we focus on two separate points. We focus on the Avdus, and we focus on the Inu. And like I said, if you get a chance to explain Magid, we'll see why there's two underlying themes in the Gula of Pesach. I mean, just as an example, the first, one of the big things of faith that we still hope to talk about is the, the idea of the Ibrokosis. And we know that the four cups represent the four languages of Gola. What are they? The first one is Vatsesi, the second one is Vitsalti. It's a difference. Vatsesi means I'll take you out, Vitsalti means I'll save you. 
So if you look at the Pesach inside, it says, V'tez yeschem mitachas tivres mitzrayim, v'tzal tizchem avidasam. And here we have exactly these two things again. One will be taking you from the suffering of Egypt, and the other one will be to save you from the slavery. There were two separate things going on in Egypt. There was suffering, there was slavery. They had nothing to do with each other. There was a cure that was superimposed on each other. For example, the fact that we had to work in the fields and the fact that we had to slave for them and build cities, that's all slavery. But the fact that they killed the children and the fact that they bathed in Jewish blood, that's all suffering. It's nothing to do with slavery. On the contrary, it's, 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 if, if anything, it works in the opposite direction. Because if you want to enslave people, you want to have the best workforce you can have. And therefore, I want slaves. They're, they're useful for the economy. It's free labor. I have no union to destroy them. Throwing all the boys into the river isn't, isn't helping your slave trade. If anything, it's destroying them. But that was the second one, was the suffering. And if you want just one the example of this, we know that in Nazi Germany, they vacillated between this the whole time. On the one hand, the Jews are free labor. If you can put them into camps and force them to work, you've you got free labor and you need labor for, to keep the industries running and to make weapons, whatever they were doing. On the other hand, we want to kill them. And they, depending on which of the Nazi ministers were making the decisions, they kept vacillating. Sometimes they just destroy everybody, kill them as fast as we can. They said, no, you're using all the free labor. Okay, so let's get them to work. Because they can, they can produce a lot for the for, you know, for, forced labor. Slave labor is very, very useful for a government. So then they, they made labor camps. They went back to them, but we wanted to kill them. So let's go back to killing them again. And then we went to labor camps. And they went up and down the whole time, which were the two the, the, the contradictory ideas, but they wanted to do both. And it's the same thing with time. There was the element of Avodim, the element of Inuaisim. And like I said, some things would benefit the one without the other one. There were two separate things going on in Mitzrayim. And therefore we have two different symbols. We have a symbol of the Matzah and the symbol of the Mara. Now, we still have to explain that's why there's an Indian of eating Matzah without Mara and Mara without Matzah and Matzah and Mara together. We have, all, we, have, we have all the different options. Which we'll still talk about. But what's more important to us is to understand... Uh, you know, maybe in tomorrow we'll talk about this to go back a bit and understand why were the two Xeris? You know, why were we being punished doubly? Why was the Xeris of of working for the Egyptians? Why was the Xeris of being persecuted by the Egyptians? And how Pesach brought about the redemption for both of them simultaneously. That's the two different sides that we'll talk about the, the Gola of Pesach. Was the suffering supposed to happen? Yeah, yeah, they were both predicted by Hashem, by Vodim, by Inoisa. But they're coming for two different reasons. So we have to talk about that relationship tomorrow and explain what the good is. Yeah, the question is what the Inu is going to be. You're right, you have to explain it. The question is what the Inu is going to be. Okay, so we'll talk about it tomorrow.